Hello and welcome to Do The Franchise. I'm Jake. And I'm James. And today we are doing the obligatory sequel to the Harry Potter franchise. Um, it's the second episode, second film. Uh, it's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, and uh, I've learnt new things and I have many more questions. <laughs> How many questions do you reckon you might have for us, for, for me, James, and obviously for the, for the listeners? I think we're just looking notes doesn't tell you how many pages you've written. Oh my god, is it? Uh, I have got quite a lot to be fair. Um, interestingly, James, Chamber of Secrets um, is the longest of the Harry Potter films. I found this out whilst I was googling. Uh, it is the longest one. I think it's at two hours, and I think I should have this written down. Right, I think it's two hours and thirty-six or twenty-six. It's it's by far the longest of the installments, and one of the smallest books. It, it definitely felt longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so what did you think of it, James? I liked it. Yeah? Didn't love it. Okay. Liked it, though. Preferred the first one? I think so. Hmm. I think I preferred the first book. Okay, that's film. interesting. That's I've interesting. not read the books. Um, okay, I'm going to shoot right into this. Um, we open... I've put... And this is this is brilliant. That's a, I've opened with... Um, nice clouds. <laughs> <laughs> really nice clouds. Um, animal cruelty. Hedwig is locked in a cage in the first scene of this film. I also commented on that. I think I've written, uh, Harry has been upgraded, but now he no longer lives in the in a prison. He keeps his owl in prison. He does. His owl is locked in the cage. He has a bedroom now, so he's not the killer of the stairs, which is weird because it, they run with that a lot in this series, that he's the boy from the cupboard. He's only in the cupboard for the first two minutes of the first film, so he's not in it a lot. No. It's not that big a deal. No. Get, I, o- get over yourself, Harry. Yeah. I mean, Harry's obviously got things going on, but yeah, he was only in that cupboard a little while. Yeah, it wasn't no, that bad. Not, not that long. This was released, um, God, it's so long ago, 3rd of November 2002. Um, I got some facts here because I wanted to make sure we were more better researched <laughs> than our pilot episode. Um 82% is its score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, IMDb give this film an average of 7.4 out of 10. So probably higher than what you were. I, what I'm expecting you were, were thinking yeah. when I just asked you then. Um, what have you got for this? Uh, Talk I, me through it, James. Okay, so we've dealt with Hedwig being in prison. Um, I've also written, how is this just a summer since the last film? They've all aged really badly. <laughs> I thought that as well. <laughs> They've got really deep voices because obviously kids... 11 and 12 kids age yeah it's it's so noticeable i think it i don't know if it becomes i would probably say the first three it's the most noticeable in terms of gap between okay. films and then when they get to sort of 15 15 16 17 it, they don't it doesn't change that much until the last one i think in the last one i think ron's pretty uh pretty hench i think ron's been hitting the gym right. by the uh by the seventh or eighth installment of this franchise i think See, it's uh, number seven he wasn't contractually obliged to be a weasley no he was still a weasley but he's a he's a he's a he's a juiced up weasley <laughs> 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 that could be a good title for the episode hey juiced he's up. a juiced up weasley juiced up weasley wow uh, uh we we also uh, get to find out that Harry hasn't received any letters from his friends. Yes, he hasn't, James. Why is that? Because Hedwig's locked up in a cage. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> no, but I, thought, I, don't, I didn't think about that, actually. That does make more sense. Yeah, why, why is he surprised about this? Obviously, there is a, a, a deeper reason that's revealed later in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I have, how I... does he expect to get his owl post when his owl can't leave a cage? No, it's not a great premise, is it? <laughs> and that owl's going to be starving. 
It hasn't eaten any mice. It's not been anywhere. It's just not living its best life. It's not. It's not. And I think Hagrid would be disappointed with this. You bought him a pet. He's neglected the pet. It's the classic rich kid, only child sort of scenario, isn't it? I did say, I think, last time that an 11-year-old isn't the wisest no, choice he's not, to look yeah. after a, a postman you owl. Did. You did, you literally did, and you said that in the last episode. Uh, I've just started with Dobby is here, self-abusing house elf, President Putin look-alike. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like, I hadn't even thought that. He does look like President Putin. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uncanny, James. I, I, I've written something similar, a creepy house elf with little autonomy... Exerts control by stealing letters from a child wizard. <laughs> I've uh, put... A, this is, a, again, I'm hoping people that are listening to this will have picked up on this in the past, because I've seen this film... Oh, God, I've seen this film a few times, James. Yeah. I watched this when I was a child. I've seen it probably... I'd probably see I've seen it about 15, 20 times since I was a kid. And I I watched it with a certain sense of, of nostalgia, but then you just start nitpicking... I've nitpicked a lot because I, I, unlike you, I've, I'm seeing it from the perspective of a child who used to love it. Yeah. I started to get really angry with things. There's a, there's a bit, it's really funny and I won't talk too much about this because I'm going to waste so much time, but there is a bit where when Dobby's in the bedroom, mm-hmm. you can see the reflection of what looks like a Dobby on the wall, like, yeah. like a shadow of a Dobby that doesn't move. And I think, and again, people who are listening to this can correct me. I think that they've got a mannequin Dobby. Opposite Radcliffe. Ah. That, like, so he can kind of have a frame of reference to interact with. And there's a shadow of that on the wall. So I was looking at that the whole time, thinking, that shadow's not moving. That's weird. Maybe house elves don't have shadows that move with them. I'm sure magic will explain it. Magic, it's magic, Jake. Um, there's an also a nice bit in that scene. Dobby has a sock on his head when he comes out of the wardrobe, um, and that is the sock that later on uh, grants him his freedom, which I thought was really nice. Um, that that yeah, works. I think that's that quite works. cute. That's you remember cool. he comes out of the wardrobe, he sort he of does, sniffs the sock yeah. and then throws it in the bit. And I was like, that is that's quite cool. Uh, what are you gonna say? Um, I, I obviously this is all happening while um, his adopted dad is trying to impress somebody. I assume the book explains who that somebody is. Yes. The film doesn't. These important people arrive, and um, I worry that this is the best move of his career, as he explains. <laughs> the film... He looks fairly close to retirement. Yeah, the film does not do anything to explain what his aunt and uncle are doing, or what his uncle does for a living. I think, yeah. if I remember right, and this is... Um, he does use... He uses a drill in all... The first two films, he uses a drill to shut the letterbox. Drill, he drills a letterbox yeah. shut, do you remember, in the first film? And then he does the same thing in this film. Uh, he's drilling uh, bars onto <laughs> Harry Potter's window. Um, he makes drills. He works for a drill manufacturer. That is like... He's like the boring suburban right. uh, businessman who sells drills. That makes sense. So, yeah. I, uh, That's what he does. Linked to those bars on the window, I put adopted parents suffer at hands of wizard... Instead of sending him back to school to get rid of him, they keep him at home. <laughs> I, I don't understand their logic. They don't like him. Yeah, yeah. why would they keep him? Why, why do they want to Let stop him? Let him go. Yeah. yeah. He, he can go to school and be out of their hair. And they don't have to worry about him. Out of sight, out of mind. I totally agree with that. And, and then when he makes his, his great escape, the dad falls out of the window. Tries to get him back in. Yeah. And lands on his head. That dad definitely... Isn't magic. I yeah, it's really shouldn't be alive. I love that this because if anyone listened to this, me and James didn't watch this one together, and we're probably not going to be able to watch them all together because it just takes so much time. But me and James have watched the film at different times, both made um, different notes, 
and I've put that four would have definitely killed Richard Griffiths <laughs> after you just said that I've, I've put that in mind that's brilliant that was really good and also we had an issue with the flying motorbike last time <sighs> yes we did I, and I didn't understand why it made plane noises I know what you're going to say they've addressed this yeah I know what you're going to say flying car makes regular petrol car noises it, does, it, makes, it... it makes motorcycle noises <laughs> <laughs> it does I thought that is but... it powered by petrol or by magic and when it runs out of one or the other, does know. it stop flying? I don't know. I thought that. I knew you were going to pick up on that. <laughs> the car makes like a really bad car, petrol, motorbike engine type noise, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it's breaking down all the time. I guess it's an old car. Do you know why it's a Ford Anglia? No. Um, it's a Ford Anglia because it was J.K. Rowling's um, first car. The car she went on all her adventures oh. with when she was, uh, you know... Out with her gals, or whatever. Or her magical adventures. It was no, no. She's and before she wrote the books, it was oh, a, okay. it was like one of her when she was knocking about when she was a young woman, presumably going I, I out. I assume she and, was a young woman. At yeah, one yeah. Point, when she, she was didn't just <laughs> arrived fully formed as J.K. Rowling. It was her car. Yeah. So it's based on like nostalgia for J.K. Apparently, anyway, I think that's really cool. Um, James, uh, I've put James, not James. Ron, Ron's family. Yeah. Um, Ron's family are poor. They have a magic dishwasher. A magic clock that's amazing, uh, and it's like find my friends. Yeah, I like that. Did you see that? Yes. I also wrote Ron lives in Fantasia with magic cleaning going on. Surely some lights issues here with the big mouse. Yeah, because that is that scene was so Fantasia. You know the the bit where Mickey's got all the brooms yeah. cleaning. I was like, are they not? They're gonna get sued. I know she's probably okay now, money wise, but didn't Disney see that and it go is, hang it's... about? It is. It's really odd. It also, it doesn't address, for, for me anyway, like they've got a magic clock that tells you where the family are. They can do all the dishes, all the things. Why does the house still look a state? Yeah. They can do everything by magic. Why should the house look tardy? Tardy is a good word, isn't it? I think tardy. Yeah. Why should, you just, oh, that, that thing's fell down. Repair that and yeah. that'll just go back in place. How are wizards ever poor? I don't know. They can do a lot. Do you know what's interesting about this as well? Um, we meet, and I'm going to talk about this in greater depth in a minute, but we meet Draco Malfoy's father, Lucius Malfoy, in this film. Yes. Uh, played by Jason Isaacs, a wonderful actor. Absolutely love Jason Isaacs. Uh, I, he's fantastic. I think he's great, but I also hate him, because he's always a bad guy. Yeah, he is. And he plays such a good bad guy. He does. But all I can see, whenever I see his face, because the first film I saw him in was Mel Gibson's The Patriot, mm -hmm. and he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he kills Heath Ledger. He does, yeah. And that's that's all I can see. Oh, yeah, that's going back, isn't it? <laughs> um, I've, yeah, I mean, to, to put on to that, I've, I have put Mark Williams as Ron's dad, Arthur Weasley, brilliant casting, he's, he's great. Perfect, um, guy. They've also cast, um, they've also cast Kenneth Branagh, uh, the immortal yes. Kenneth Branagh as Gilderoy Lockhart, Professor Gilderoy Lockhart. What a fantastic character. And what a brilliant bit of casting on Warner Brothers' part, really, I think. Perfect. And when we meet him, my note was, rich kid gets free books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Harry gets more free stuff. Harry has a vault of gold that he's not yet touched because everyone gives him free things. And I imagine those books go to Hogwarts with him, despite the fact that Julie Walters has expressed explicitly that she is a big fan of his work and Ron um, could do with some new books. Yeah. And no, no consideration, James. No consideration given at all. He doesn't give them to 
Mrs. Weasley. Um, Mrs. Weasley and Arthur Weasley presumably have been paying his board, looking after him the next few days while before they go back to Hogwarts. They've yeah. also taken him to Diagon Alley. Um, by mistake, he went to the wrong place through the through the, through Ooh, the fireplace. I, I have questions. Hmm. So, historically, witches tend to get punished by burning. Yeah. Is it not a bit traumatising that they also travel by burning? <laughs> it's magic burning, James. It's green. It's green burning. Um, this film, uh, Chimney Secrets, establishes loads of things. And for you, at the moment, it'll mean bugger all. But later on, it, it, the, the flu network is what it's called. So flu transportation, using the flus of fires to get around. Um, it kind of just... This, this like shoehorns in a lot of things that are going to be important, I think, okay. later on. The other films do this as well. The first, second and third film primarily are going to be, for you anyway, a lot of establishing stuff. Yes. Um, the giant tree, the Whomping Willow, which we'll talk about in a minute, that that establishes... It's, it's important later on, more than it is right. in this movie. Okay. And it's like they keep introducing little set pieces that will then later be be a bigger, a bigger importance. I'm a fan general. of that. But the first 20 minutes of this film... Was a complete retread of the last one. I agree. Like all the beats, they went, they went to Diagon Alley. Yep. They, they got a bit confused. Hermione fixed his glasses again. <laughs> yeah, she did, didn't um, she? That's exactly <laughs> what she did in the last one. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So Hermione fixes. So I. Um, yeah. I I put. We've seen all this in the first film. Is it needed? And yeah, they, they admittedly they don't go to a one shop, but they go to the bookshop. They do. It, yeah. Flourish and blots. But, you're very good at knowing these names. Yeah, thanks, James. That that doesn't does that get covered in the film or is that in a book thing? I think it's purely for the for the fans of the book. Ah, right. Yeah, it's not really important. I don't think it comes up again. So apologies to anyone if I just call it the bookshop. And uh, <laughs> I, I've still been referring to Professor McGonagall as cat teacher for a long time in I my think notes. I can stay with that. I mean, I've been calling Snape Professor Hans Gruber. Um, I've put Harry is shit at pronunciation evidence of lack of English studies <laughs> <laughs> so um, they after all this happens they can't get on the train no they can't they, the, the train so this is the one this is the bit where the film then diverts from the first one yeah it's where it's it kind like, of goes right we're not doing the same we're going to do yeah. it different to, to last one yeah I agree and I quite like that yeah. um, they, they had a car now I'm worried about the parents because they were worried that the parents can't get back from the platform but if they do get back from the platform they now don't have any transport no they, they've stolen the car to go on a joyride <laughs> And uh, they, they are chasing down a train that doesn't technically exist. Yeah. Also, I watched this with my wife, Natalie, and she pointed out something brilliant. Um, when the, the boys put the, the car into invisible mode, and then they go into the clouds. <laughs> it's like, if it's that high up, what's the point in it being invisible anyway? And then it kind of, I guess for the audience's sake, it kind of magically becomes uninvisible. Yes. Um, or visible. <laughs> that would be the word. That would be the word. Visible. Jake. It just becomes uninvisible. <laughs> visible. It becomes visible. Um, and then it could they fly after the, the train. And I think this is just to add a little bit of fun. I think it's an action beat. It's... it's it's, it's fun, isn't it? It's kind of pointless. It doesn't yeah. add anything to the later story of the, of the movie, really. Daniel Radcliffe's dialogue consisted of up and stop. Yeah. Repeatedly, just yelling that at Ron. Yep. 
Um, the owl realises the train is behind them before the kids do. That's good. I like so, that bit. So its eyes bulge yeah. as it realises that there's a train approaching. So Hedwig is much smarter than either Harry or Ron. Yes, absolutely, 100% agree. And she can see in the dark, which they can't do. Now, this is the other thing. She's a she. Yes. I've been incorrectly assuming that Hedwig is a boy's name. No, it's a girl. It's a girl. No, it's a girl owl, female owl. See, and oh, we, we get a name for... Um, the, the janitor's cat. Yes. That is that one, not, was that, that not established? That was not brought up in the first oh, film. Okay. Because as soon as he said Mrs. Norris is dead, I was racking my head through all the teachers that were there. But yeah, it's the cat. Of course. Yeah, yeah. It was the cat. So Mrs. Norris didn't realise. That's quite fun. Um, I wanted to just go back really quickly to this stuff. So we have the scene, um, which I really wanted to talk about really quickly, was with Kenneth Branagh, where we introduced his character. We get a brilliant opportunity there to introduce the new... The new daft character, who is also the defence against the dark arts teacher, which is obviously the big through line of all these films, which you don't know about yet, and I will be talking about it, and I think we're going to be talking about it in probably like episode six or seven. Oh, okay. Because it's, I don't want to say it, and it become, like, stupid. We'll go through it later. Um, But yeah, a brilliant introduction of Jason Isaacs is a villain. You know he's a villain. He's everything a creepy villain should be. Apparently his entire costume, his demeanour, his hair, his Mm. snake staff that he has is all Jason Isaacs. Really? He he came up with all of that and and kind of asked the costume designers, I think we should do this, we should wear this, I should have a blonde wig, I should look like that. And that's where it came from. It's completely his love child. His description is not in the book anything really it's a few lines but it doesn't really describe his character at all it's just his presence so he chose all of that Mm. that's cool I I got to where the tree attacks the car yes and I felt real empathy for the car yep I wrote car definitely broken still can drive when it couldn't fly Car reacts as audience should and rage quits. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, the car just decides it's had enough of being hit by the tree, gets off the tree without any help from... Harry or Ron. Ejects Harry and Ron and the animals. Yep, it does. And then drives off. Did you like that bit? I quite liked that bit. It was good, wasn't I, it? I, I've, I've, I felt an affinity with a car for the yeah. first time, and I, I don't normally do that. I've put here, Ron and Harry um, crash into the tree. Ron breaks his wand trying to stop the tree. Harry now needs to buy Ron a new wand, and his mum and dad a new car. Neither happen. <laughs> 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 and this goes back to my Harry Potter treats Ron like a piece of shit rant, yeah. where he doesn't do anything for him. I wrote, Harry dooms Ron instead of offering to help buy him a new one. Yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> he just tells him he's doomed. So they, so they miss, they miss enrolment and they end up in the, in the office of Cerverus Snape. Yeah. Uh, the brilliant Alan Rickman again, doing what Alan Rickman does best, being Alan Rickman. Yeah, and being completely reasonable, yeah. those kids should be expelled. 100% agree. But they get protected by plot armour. Yeah, I mean, a clear lack of school policy. Uh, Snape actually quotes a school policy at Dumbledore, the headmaster, who just goes... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that. I don't agree with it anymore. Yeah, they're not. We're not really teaching these kids anything about rules. I don't think. And and in this film, I feel, and you'll probably agree with me as well. Especially, there is a complete disregard of all rules. To say that Harry and Ron got in trouble for being out of bed in the last one, they go under the fucking school in this one. Yeah, and they're out of this. They. I don't think they're even in a lesson. This in this film. And it's it's not even that it's not 
dealt with appropriately. They, like last time, they got points for doing that. Yeah. This time, the point system's gone out the window. Oh yeah, we don't see any of that. Um, I think the only person that says anything about points for Gryffindor is um, the brilliantly named Sprout lady that's in charge of the screaming plants yes the amazing miriam margulies um she's fantastic i think she might pop up again i don't know if she does until the very last films okay she's one of those characters where she might be in the background of shot but i don't think she features and she only features in this film because of the fact that those mandrakes are used aren't they later on to revive the the ill-fated people yes. who are petrified um but yeah, no, I love that bit. I think the bit with the mandrakes is funny. I, I, I liked that bit. I remember watching that thinking, oh, this bit, this takes me back. Yeah. And you get a few bits like that. There is like lessons within each film where they're not action beats as much as they are sort of, they use the plot device, but they are actually the lesson and they're directly from the book when they're going to become relevant later. And obviously okay. the mandrake bit is only relevant because of the, what happens later. Yeah. And I think that they did a clever thing where they do establish that there's a lot of lessons in the books and there's a lot of stuff that happens. There's a lot of Quidditch in the books. Mm. But they're not relevant and they are just sort of like to tie the year together. So they have to get, obviously, they're the first things to get cut from the movies. Yeah. Mm. So I like Madame Sprout. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I also wrote, no one called the cat by this name in the last film. We've covered that. Um, also, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. There's a brief scan around the classroom with Cat Professor McGonagall. Yeah. Uh, as she's describing in great detail what the Chamber of Secrets is to a bunch oh, of yeah, kids so who probably is... shouldn't know. Yeah. But she's le- learning all the secrets out about the Chamber of this Secrets. This is after Harry starts hearing walls talking to him, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And the snake. And I, oh, sorry to ruin it for you. I mean, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think the only people we'd be spoiling it for is me uh, yeah, at this stage. That's fine, and yeah. I've seen it now. But there's a pan around the room and you see all the animals the kids have. Yes. And one of the kids has an armadillo. Yes, I saw that. Such a cool pet. Why why isn't Harry using an armadillo? I guess postage with armadillos is difficult. Also, Ron turns his um, right into a cup. (laughs) Yes, a really furry cup. (laughs) It's really odd. Um, I've lost my train of thought here with notes. Um, Branner's class flying gizmos uh, from Gremlins running around the room yes. literally the same sound effect from Gremlins honestly go back and watch it guys that is the Gremlins noises right do you remember when the yeah. little pixies get out of the cage you're right that's 100% the Mogwais from Gremlins so they sound like the Mogwais and they look like if you've ever seen Hellboy the tooth fairies in Hellboy yes they look yes, just they like do. that yes they do that's so a good one so I was one. expecting it to eat the kids yeah. but they didn't because obviously it's kids I like the fact that um, Lockhart, Branner's classroom's got, got loads of paintings of himself <laughs> everywhere. That was really good. That was that was nice. Um, yeah, I was putting in here, I hope a letter has gone home to parents to tell them not to worry. The school does have a chamber of secrets. It is potentially real. Potentially has been opened. Um, Monster is in potentially on the loose. Students are then told to carry on as normal and just go to class. Yeah, just go to class. <laughs> go and enjoy your... your... Changing your pet into a, a goblet. Yeah, because again, like you said with uh, it Professor Flitwick's lessons, yeah. these lessons are just pointless, aren't they? What the hell use is that? But it's okay, because we skip through the pointless lessons mm-hmm. and we go to Quidditch. I am. Can I just interrupt yeah. you there as well? Ron turning the rat into a goblet, Scabbers into a goblet, yeah. is the first and last bit of magic that Ron does in that entire film again. Yes, it is. 
because he it, his wand isn't very good. No, it doesn't work. He's... And that just again for me is the epitome of why Ron does nothing. There yeah. is even in the later film, and again, fans of the podcast, fans of the films, listening to the podcast will know. There's a bit in the very later film, of the last film or second to last film, where Ron has the opportunity to use magic, and he turns to Hermione and he says, "You're better at spells." <laughs> Classes. I know. And, and I don't think Ron does another speck of magic for this entire franchise. <laughs> I really want to be proven wrong. Anyone at home, please prove me and James wrong. Let us know when he does. Yes. Um, we're going to be looking at each film individually as we go through them, but I, I yeah, it's yeah. so funny. We, we should keep a tally of Ron mm. magic. Um, so we, we move mm-hmm. rapidly through. Yeah, let's do that. To, let's do that. To the first Quidditch game. <clears throat> and. This is... I, I sort of had an idea what was going on in the last film with the Quidditch. Because mm-hmm. yeah. the, the angles, were they, they made sense. Here they throw all that out the window. They do, yeah. And it's just <coughs> random capes on brooms, flying places, so many camera angles, so it's, much Quidditch. It's a lot faster than the last like Quidditch that we saw, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And the brooms make X-wing noises. No. <laughs> yes, as they fly oh, past wow. you. I didn't you know that. You can hear, like... Similar things to X-Wing. And then, I'm so glad this happened because I had no idea what was going on at this point. And it just cuts to a random shot of Hagrid saying that the bludger is chasing Harry. And I just thought that was part of the game. Do you know what? No one seems alarmed by it, do they? So yeah. I, I, you would assume, is this normal? Yeah, there's a stadium full of wizards that can see this going on and no one does anything. No, no one does anything to stop that from hitting Harry Potter. And then, to compound the whole X-Wing thing... Uh, can I just interrupt you there? Yeah. Given the fact that in the last movie, Harry Potter nearly dies in Quidditch because somebody's trying to knock him off his broomstick, this time around, someone's sending a lead ball after him and yeah. everyone thinks this is suspicious. Yeah, this, uh, someone's out for Harry. And no, no one's asking about it, but they, they compound the whole X-Wing thing mm. by doing the Death Star run. Yeah, they do, down and, the thing. And the bludger is Darth Vader... But then they don't have like a, a Millennium Falcon moment where he where he gets saved. Well, he does win the game again. Yes. Uh, he then has his arm jellyfied by Lockhart, who can't do magic. He probably does more magic than Ron, but he can't <laughs> do magic. He then ends up in your favourite room, James. He goes back to the hospital where they regrow bones. <laughs> the fact that they have material to do this shows this has happened before. Yep, I agree. It's really strange, isn't it? What a weird thing. When he's in the hospital, he starts hearing the voices again. Mm-hmm, he does. So, the, the voices keep telling Harry to kill. And I put, it seems he's the right kind of traumatised child to follow this advice. Yeah. He then, um, I think, I'm going to skip forward a little bit, James, just in, in, the, in the interest of time and, yeah. and people um, losing their will to live. Bless them at home listening to this. Um, snakes get hurt whenever they speak to Harry Potter. I've put that. Yes. Uh, I've also put... Um, People are getting petrified. Colin Creevy gets petrified, I think, and then there's um, nearly headless Nick the Ghost. John Cleese, he gets petrified, and someone else after that. Uh, the kid that the snake um, goes after during the dueling club scene. Uh, yeah. Again, another snake. Harry talks to this snake. This snake looks at Harry, yeah. instantly destroyed. <laughs> that, that poor snake. And, it's and, not and a good movie for snakes, James. No, there's a lot of snake death. I'm, I'm concerned. If you're a snake and you're in this Hogwarts business you're not going to last long and i've written down that after all these kids start turning up being petrified mm-hmm. um dumbledore is in the hospital wing and harry's listening in pretending to be asleep 
but I don't know why he's having to pretend to be asleep. He's meant to be there. He's recovering. Yeah, they should have been quieter, shouldn't they, if anything? Yeah, yeah, he hears them say, Hogwarts is no longer safe. Yeah. They are stood in a hospital wing with a child who has no bones. (laughs) And a child has been turned to stone. And I thought, how was it ever safe? Yeah. They had a troll in the last one. They did. Oh, yeah, he goes to see Dumbledore, and um, uh, this is because the schools seem to think that Harry's somewhat involved because he can speak to snakes. Hermione then encourages Harry and says, you know, it, it, the reason they think you are the heir of Slytherin is because uh, Slytherin uh, was a, was it a parcel mouth? And people don't criticise me at home. Parcel mouths can talk to snakes, and Salazar Slytherin, the man who invented Slytherin, and the Chamber of Secrets is a parcel mouth. It's a lot of exposition in a yeah. short few scenes. I think McGonagall does a bit of exposition on the founding of the school. Uh, you get the phrase mudblood, which I told you about in the last podcast, yes. which is um, people that are not born of pure wizarding blood. Because, I mean, let's be honest, if they were all born of pure wizarding blood, they would end up like Ron Weasley and Neville Longbottom, <laughs> and two of the worst students. It's not the greatest advert, is it? No, it's not. They're the worst students for genetics in that school. And I just wondered, with all, with all this knowledge they have of the past... Surely a, a quick Google on Ancestry.com could work out whether Harry was the heir of Slytherin. Hmm. They, they can follow his lineage, right? They, they they, must I'm know. sure they could follow his father's lineage. His dad was a pure blood wizard, wasn't he? I think yeah. we find out more about this later. But, um, yeah, um, we then find out... Um, I, I'm going to skip kind of quickly through these. Um, we found out that Voldemort... Um, sorry, no, I'm going... I'm skipping ahead. We found out there's a diary in the uh, in the in the girls' toilets where Moaning Myrtle is knocking about, and we find out this diary is owned by someone called Tom Marvolo Riddle. Harry goes into the diary and finds out about the past and suspects that his old friend Hagrid uh, unleashed the monster uh, from the Chamber of Secrets and like 50 years ago. Again, Hagrid, if he's presumably what 60, 70 years old, looks pretty good. Yeah, he's doing all right <laughs> for himself. Um, I. I put obviously they uh, they go and see Hagrid. Um, it it seems like he's not in a good place because not <laughs> only does Harry, who not too many notes are, uh, notes ago I wrote Harry Potter is Columbo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is very detectivey. Um, so everyone seems to think that Hagrid is involved now, uh, and they turn up to uh, arrest him. They do, yeah. The Minister of Magic and uh, Malfoy, the dad of Draco Malfoy, Lucius Malfoy, and they arrive. Um, and then Harry and Ron have to go into the forest again. Like you said, it very much mirrors the first film to search for answers. They meet the giant spider Aragog. Um, I kept referring to him as Ariana Grande because it sounded like that when they shouted that spell at them. They shout a sort of spell that sounds like Ariana Grande and it makes the spiders go away. It does. Um, they, Ron doesn't like spiders. The spiders tell them that they are not. The spider tells them that he is not the monster, and that the monster is uh, something else in the castle. Yeah, which we then later find out. I, I just think there's a lot of plot. It it, it takes a, a lot, doesn't it? It does. I did admittedly get a bit bored toward the latter end of that film when they went into the forest again. I'm a little. I don't know about you, but I was sat going, right? They're in the forest again. <laughs> Something's got to happen again. Then they go back, and then something else got to happen before the climax. Yeah, I I just the, the, you have to obviously it's a fantasy film. Yeah. There's a bit of suspension <laughs> disbelief. I don't believe spiders could be as fast as that car. Mm. But they the spiders keep up. The spiders and they uh, Harry and Ron are surprised when after they've 
knocked off a couple of spiders that the other spiders don't give up. Exactly. I put here, Dumbledore looks exactly the same in the flashback, despite it being 50 years previous. <laughs> he's, he's old. I mean, there must be a certain point where you just look old, and then you're old from there Forever, on. Forever, yeah, like when you get to sort of 55 or whatever, 60. Uh, spiders are afraid of snakes. Not sure if that's true. Um, I don't think there's any evidence of that, is there? I mean, spiders are pretty... They're predators, aren't they? They're pretty scary. And he's a giant spider. Yeah. That spider is, is bigger than the snake, I think, at the end. Yeah. Or, or equivalent to. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a monster. They found a monster. It's just yeah. not the right one. And Harry seems to know a lot about spiders, considering yeah. <clears> that he's had very little actual education. Dumbledore is sacked for his incompetence. Uh, finally, some justification for what's been going on at this school, because... I'm not going to lie, James. If I was a parent, I wouldn't be happy about all this. My child's turned up petrified. People are writing in blood all over the school walls. It's not a great advert, is it? No, no. The castle, or the, the school rather, has a tannoy system. Because you, you hear cat teacher over a tannoy. Do you? Yeah. I don't just, remember that. Just before, I think it's just before they show, they traumatise the, the kids by showing them Hermione. Oh, yeah, they do. And, and, yeah, because she a... says the school's going to be closed yeah. forever now because of this incident. And then they're like, someone's been... They've got another person. You then find out it's it's Hermione. Um, you see Ginny Weasley. Um, she's taken into the Chamber of Secrets by Tom Riddle. Tom Riddle, striking resemblance to Ted Bundy, I thought. Yeah, um, definitely. And this confused me because... From what we understand, the heir of Slytherin mm. doesn't like mudbloods. No, Slytherin the man didn't like mudbloods, so he built that chamber of secrets to to purge the school of mudbloods, people so that were impure. The wizard or witch yeah. that he chose to take yeah. is the one that isn't a mudblood. You mean Ginny she, Weasley? Yeah, because she's pure wizard, right? God, yeah, you've got a good point there. <laughs> the one person he chose to... He could have taken Hermione. God, that yeah, he could have done. Sense. That's a big... That's a point, actually. Because, like... <clears> this <throat> yeah, is the, this is the bit her? where I sort of checked out of the film a little bit because I was like, well... Emma must have got paid the same as all the others. Yep. She's not in this film very much. She's not really, is she? She, she gets petrified. Yep. And then is in hospital. <laughs> Before that, she, she misses, was a cat. She misses the whole climax. She becomes a cat after drinking that potion. Yeah. The, uh, the you look like somebody else polyjuice potion, yeah. which I'm. By the way, if it was real, that is the best thing. That is like a discovery beyond belief. I think what it's this reminds me of something else. This, and I think it was um, Nick from work, a mutual friend of mine and yours, Nick Jones. He said to me. Um, there's a scene in Star Trek where they, at the end of the Star Trek movie, you remember the one with Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah. They they transfuse Benedict Cumberbatch's super blood into James Kirk. Yeah. And and Spock reprimands um, Khan, Benedict Cumberbatch, and then he and and then the super blood is used to revive James Kirk. He's just brought someone back from the dead. Yeah. And at no point is this made of a big deal no. that a person in Star Trek could learn how to defy death. Exactly. And in this film, we have three kids doing drugs in an abandoned toilet. Toilet, and they become, become people, yeah. and it's like, no big deal. No big deal. <clears throat> Imagine what you could do with that power. You could write <clears throat> several Mission Impossible films. Again, with, yeah. With, <laughs> with, this, is with this as well, James, and I said this to you earlier, that it's a, a lot of this is, um, is establishing for later on. There's a big bit of this where Apologies Potion 
um, looking like people. A lot of things they do in this movie that set things up, it happens later. And it's like J.K. Rowling wrote it and then realised that she might almost wrote herself into a position where she has to use these things because right. why would you not use them? And this this is another thing we'll talk about, I think probably more so in the next film. There's a big plot point in the next film where you think to yourself, that could have just corrected everything in the universe, <laughs> but it's brushed over so massively. And anyone listening to this that's chuckling to themselves now will know exactly what I'm, I'm talking about, right. but we will go into that in episode three. Um, I've put Moaning Myrtle uh, was a woman who haunts a bathroom, was a child, first person to die when Tom Bundy got his giant snake out in the girl's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she doesn't have a good go of it, does she? Because she, she's dead. She's surprisingly chipper. And Yeah, I mean, she, she quite... Yeah, uh, My favourite line in the film, I think, was when Moni Myrtle says she was just sitting on the U-bit and thinking about death. <laughs> and then someone throws a book at her. Yeah. And Ron quite rightly points out, well, it can't hurt, can it? You're a ghost. Yeah. And she gets a bit offended by that. She does. Um, going forward as well, they take Lockhart down to the Chamber of Secrets. They find the entrance, which is um, in front of them the whole time. It's in the sink. They go down the sink into the Chamber of Secrets with Lockhart, with Branner. Uh, we find out he's a fraud. Um, he's just lied his way through. Again, that just shows a clear lack of background checks being done at Hogwarts. We said this about Professor Quirrell, didn't we? Yeah. They're not. They're not doing background checks, guys. What are you doing? How many? How many teachers are there at Hogwarts? Because I've counted maybe three or four, and there seems to be several houses and hundreds of kids. Main teachers, I think. Yeah. We. I, I don't know. I think we probably established something like. 15 main teachers, maybe 12. Right. Um, so, and I think there's supposed to be about 20 thin. of them. Yeah. They're spread pretty thin. So maybe it's just a, oh, you showed up today, you'll do kind mm. of thing. I mean, there can't be that many wizards who are also good teachers. Yeah. Um, Lockhart tries to wipe the kids' memories with Ron's wand. Despite the fact Harry has a wand in his pocket that works fine, he does nothing to stop this from happening. Yeah. Yeah, he just lets it go. Maybe he knows, obviously, that Ron's wand Ron, is Yeah, that's broken. a good point. Maybe... Uh, push, uh, I'll give him that. It backfires. This causes an earthquake, um, and a road of rubble comes down. It splits Harry and Ron up. If Ron had learned the floaty feather spell properly, could have shifted that rock. Yes. Mm. Yes, the there floaty feather spell, um, which, yeah, that could have helped. Why, mm. why didn't they use that? There are, there are things in this film that make no sense. As I think at the point where it wasn't Hermione that was in danger, I guess... They don't do that because, you know, you don't want yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, your main yeah. character to be a damsel in distress. You just choose another damsel in distress and use yeah. that. Did you notice that. what was different about this one? And this happens in the next one as well. Um, in the first film, he goes down to the trapdoor thing with two companions yeah. and ends up on his own. Um, and I think Ron gets injured. And then this one... Hermione gets injured. Ah. Harry and Ron go down together and then Ron gets separated from Harry. And the next one... You can okay. understand the formula. So there's a formula. That's yeah, cool. I, I picked up on this like quite early on. I thought, oh, yeah, this is kind of funny that he has to end up on his own with the, with the villain. Yeah. Um, who's the villain, James? It, it, it's Tom Riddle. Yeah. Um, I, I, on our initial <laughs> meeting with him, he explains he's kept his 16-year-old self alive through a diary. And I just put, he's 16... And as many question marks after that as I possibly could. The actor <laughs> he definitely twenty five. <laughs> I agree. He's like a handsome twenty five year old young Ted Bundy in a Slytherin out a Slytherin's outfit. He then uses Harry's <clears throat> wand not to attack Harry in any meaningful mm -hmm. way, but to demonstrate to Harry that 
he can do countdown. Yeah, really I'm, well. I have loads of facts for you, which obviously if we get time, I'm going to read through as many as I can. Um, I'm going to quick. I'm going to kind of put them in quick succession. But Tom Marvolo Riddle, the name is an anagram of I am Lord Voldemort. Um, this is appropriate anagram. Um, this had to be changed for the movies and for the books so that the name would be appropriate in each language when it was formed from the anagram. Are you ready for this, James? Okay. So in Spanish, his name became Tom Sorvolo Rydal, which transforms to Soy Lord Voldemort. In French, it's Tom Elvis Judasaur. <laughs> in Dutch, in Dutch, it's Martin Ossodom Vilginin. Martin's not that threatening. It really is. <laughs> in Turkish, it is Adim. Oh no, hang on. Tom Movoldo riddle. Sorry, Tom Movoldo. That's not too different, actually. That's a yeah. bit boring. Uh, Portuguese, it is Tom Savolo. In Danish, it is Romeo G. Detlev Jr. <laughs> 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 Romeo D. G. Detlev Jr. Um, brilliant. Oh, God, it's brilliant. This is my favourite one. I'm going to give you one more. Um, in Icelandic, it is... <laughs> Trevor de Golm. <laughs> oh no, not Trev. Not Trevor de Golm. <laughs> Sorry. So yes, so these are all of them. They had to change them all for the films. I thought that was fantastic when I read that. Uh, that's that's definitely dedication. It is. That's, that's dedication. Brilliant to stuff. Um, um, yeah, go on. Sorry. He he releases the snake. Yes, he does. Finally, after the, the, two and a half hours. After two and a half hours of talking about a monster, we find out it's a snake. Part of me hopes it's the snake that Harry let free in the first film, but it's a lot bigger than that snake. It is. It's a, it's a huge thing. It's a, uh, what's it called? A basilisk. basilisk. Yeah. yeah. And it, it obviously petrifies people by looking at them. By accident, because if it looks at you, it kills you. It kills you. So Harry can't look at this. So no. He, he runs away from it. I thought about this as well, James. What are you wearing right now on your face? I, I'm wearing glasses. Yeah. And Harry wears glasses. So if you're looking at the basilisk, are you technically looking at the basilisk? Or are you looking through your glasses at the basilisk? Because this is what trumps a lot of the characters. They don't get killed, they get petrified because they don't look at it directly. They look the through something the else. Yeah. So my, yeah, my lenses are no different technically. 100%. You'd be, you'd be legit. You'd I, be fine. I, 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 I mean, you'd be, get petrified. I'd be out of action for a while until they got the screaming plants back. But, yeah, you would, yeah. Um, you'd be all right in the long run. They, they enact the... Lord of the Rings get out of jail free card of a bird mm -hmm. flying in to save the day. Yeah. So Lord of the Rings has eagles, spoilers. Um, Harry Potter has a phoenix. Yes, a phoenix. Forks. A phoenix that is sent by Dumbledore. Um, despite Dumbledore not showing up himself, which would have been more helpful, yeah. he sends him a phoenix who carries within the sorting hat, which inside it has the um, sword of Gryffindor. Again, I feel like if you haven't watched these films and you're not interested in Harry Potter, this just sounds so ridiculous, doesn't it? He gives him an old hat. Yeah. Inside the hat is a magic sword. Remember, this is a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. I, he's not going to be a swordsman. He's not, is he? he? He can't be. He doesn't know anything about fighting the swords. No. The bird then blinds the snake. Yeah. Now, I'm not a snake expert, and I won't claim to be, but I did look this up. Snakes have incredibly good sense of smell. Yeah, they do. Why can't the basilisk smell Harry? It, it, yeah, it's ridiculous. He gets tricked by a rock when he throws a rock down the tube and, yeah. then he, and it goes away. I mean, I think the less said about the basilisk, the better. It... 
it's all right. It's an action beat. It makes him into... It, I, what this film does for me, and I don't know if you agree with this, it sort of stops Harry Potter being your everyman character for us, for the audience, and it turns him into a superhero for about 10 minutes. Is this the diehard 4.0 yeah. <laughs> of the Harry Potter books? Yeah, exactly that problem where you're like, you've got a 12-year-old boy, understand the limitations of a 12-year-old, and I don't think they do. They turn him into a superhero. Yeah. And it's a bit ridiculous. He kills a snake. The snake bites him. A basilisk fan, he gets it out of his arm. And he's about to die. Yeah. Um, Voldemort has won. Um, he's not Voldemort, but he's a memory of Voldemort. Yeah. And Harry does what, James? He stabs the book. Yeah. With, with the snake's tooth. He stabs the book. And we see the same effect that the first film opened with. Yep. Where... In the first film, it was the scar on Harry's head that shone brightly. So I'm assuming that's making you think there's a link between Harry and Voldemort that they do touch on later. Yes, they definitely do touch on it later. But So that, that's the first thing we go, oh, that light shining through him is very, very similar. Yeah, he just gets obliterated and the diary leaks loads of ink. It's quite cool, that bit, actually. I quite like it that is. bit. It also ties into the whole thing about them not educating these kids, because in these films, all books seem to be bad. <laughs> they either scream at you or yeah. they release demon versions of a character when they were 16-year-old. Which, considering this is based on a book... That you know is well crafted by an author who likes books. She doesn't sell books very well, does she? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, and we're going to go through this very quickly now because we're going to be running out of time with this podcast. But the Phoenix can heal anything, James. Why is it not in the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> and why does the healing, the, the Phoenix healing property? Look a lot like someone's just got the smudge tool in Photoshop. It, oh, God, it's so <laughs> funny, isn't it? I mean, again, it's 2002, James. It's lower budget. Okay. It's okay. okay. I think they pushed the budget on the fucking snake, to be honest, which I wouldn't have bothered with, <laughs> if I'm honest. And we, we're then reintroduced to Dobby... We are, yeah. As, as a house elf yeah. who works for Draco's dad. I feel that, and I don't know if you would agree with this, that this, the, after the, the premise of this movie and they get out of the chamber, they save Ginny Weasley, it goes on a bit. There's a, like a whole other yeah. film afterwards. It's like 20 minutes, 20, um, 15 minutes. I, was, I sat there thinking, because I remember sat there being, thinking, well, it's nearly over now, because he's just killed the snake. It's about 20 minutes after he kills the snake until we start wrapping things up. It's a long time. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I have a problem with the way Dobby's portrayed. Because Dobby plays on the, the servant slavery card quite heavily. Yes. Saying that he's not a free elf. But he has more autonomy in this film than any other character. Because <laughs> he just turns up and does what he wants, helps Harry yeah. as much as he wants. He's he... more free than any other character. He doesn't yeah. have to go to school. <laughs> so he plays on that quite a lot. Now, yeah. I, I'm assuming we learn more about house elves as we go on. No, we don't. No, that's it. It's Pretty he, much. He gets a sock. He's now a free elf. We see other elves. We do get to see Dobby again <clears throat> later down the line. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but we yeah. do see him again. Um, do we learn more about house elves? No, not really. It's in the fourth book. There's a lot of house elves in the fourth book, okay. but they are completely cut out of the fourth film, so I will talk to you about that later. Uh, at the end of this, I've put exams are cancelled, so literally, if you're in your last year of school, you're not going to get your final qualifications. <laughs> I also put exams cancelled, so they learn nothing, achieve nothing, and a former prisoner is oh, reinstated. God. 
It, uh, what yeah. does a school need a gamekeeper for anyway? It's great, isn't it? It's a magic school. Surely they conjure all their food. Yeah. Why is why does Hagrid have to have a crossbow to hunt things? Yeah. Do you ever do you ever see him hunt things? That? No, like, I don't. I he's, think he's their gamekeeper. He keep uh, uh, he just looks after the grounds. I think he's like a gardener. He's a glorified gardener, James. Yeah. Um, I kind of put in a few things. I want to. I want to roll on to quickly the facts for you because I, I feel like we're gonna. We we spent a lot of time on this this episode. It's a long film. Um, I'm gonna read you through a few that I I really liked. Um. <laughs> 14 Ford Anglias were destroyed in creation of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. No wonder the CGI one rage quit. <laughs> yeah. You saw what happened to all the real ones and thought, I've had enough of this. They really didn't like those cards. Uh, it says here, despite being one of the shortest books, it is the longest of all the films. Uh, Rupert Grint has a real severe case of arachnophobia. I bet he loved this film. Uh, this is to such a degree that he has still not even watched the entire scene with Aragog and the spiders. <laughs> wow yeah I do good on him though because were any of those spiders practical I think yeah some Is, of them when they come through the window and stuff they and, are and they, yeah. grab, they grab Ron's neck yeah. and, and spend a lot of time holding him and not it could be CGI I don't know yeah it could be CGI yeah. um, I don't know to be honest um, Joe, Draco Malfoy um, Tom Felton who plays Draco Malfoy great little actor fantastic guy in this film he's brilliant um he says to Goyle, who is in disguise, Harry's in disguise as Goyle, he says, uh, reading? I didn't know you could read. And apparently he got a big laugh in the cinema. Improvised. So it was improvised by Tom Felton, who, despite the actors being questionable at times, yeah. Tom Felton's improving, James. Yeah. He's brilliant. That was the best bit of acting he did. And to know that it's was improvised great. was great. Because I, I didn't like him that much in this film. My... Uh, for the audience's benefit, my first introduction to Tom mm -hmm. Felton was when he played a character on the TV show The Flash. Mm -hmm. And he's he's really good in that, and I really enjoyed that. And when I saw him in this, obviously he's a kid, not that well trained. He, he, yeah. he, he doesn't act very well, but that bit, yeah, I can yeah, see yeah, 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 more yeah. of like future Tom Felton in that. And to know he made that up is actually really cool. Nurses have been drafted in to the production of Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets, because of a head lice outbreak among the young cast members. <laughs> what is it they say about never working with kids? It must have been really, really tough. Because obviously they've got all the kids. Yeah. Um, the That was one thing I forgot to ask. Uh, Ron's owl. Yes, the bad one. The one that can't fly properly. Errol. Yes, Errol the owl. Errol the owl. Is he Ron's owl? Because Ron has a rat. It's Ron's family's owl. Ah, and right. And it's, it's rubbish. It's not very good. No, poor thing. It keeps crashing into things. Probably got a problem. They should probably take it to the vet. Do they have vets? They must have, they've got a, a hospital for the school. Yeah. The post office must have vets for the owls. Okay, you're going to like this one. Animatronic Phoenix was used to portray Forks the Phoenix, and apparently it looked so lifelike that Richard Harris thought it was a real bird when he saw it. I've got two problems <laughs> with that fact. One, Richard Harris must have been off his nut. Yeah. No, I know he wasn't very well in this film, and this is the unfortunate last film we get Richard Harris. Oh, Richard okay. Harris actually passed away shortly after this movie. He was encouraged to do it because of his grandparents' uh, sorry grandchildren's love of the of the franchise. Um, Since grandparents yeah. are listening, <laughs> there's the real magic. I I love Richard Harris, and I think he's yeah. really he's a, he brings a real tenderness to that role. Uh, and yeah, he doesn't make it to the next one, unfortunately. Oh. He does pass away. But then I just thought, 
Richard Harris thought it was real. Is Richard not aware that Phoenix is a fictional? <laughs> 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 oh. um, when the script was released, um, Hermione was supposed to hug, yeah, can't speak properly, hug Ron and Harry in the final scene of the movie. But Emma Watson was embarrassed about hugging boys. So she hugs Harry and shook Ron's hand instead, which plays as a really funny beat in the movie because it's yeah. like the awkward... He goes to hug her, they don't hug, and then he just shake hands, which is really sweet. I that, thought it was that quite was a, cool. nice, a nice bit, yeah. It so was... apparently that was because of Hermione. Uh, Emma Watson was quite, you know, it was, she was 11. Yeah. And yeah. it was a bit embarrassing, so she didn't want to do it. I and thought it was fair, really sweet. To be fair, the other two have had a lot more time together in this film, because she appears out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Dumbledore's Office, um, the production for Dumbledore's Office in this film, uh, which is only in one, or I think, no, two scenes of the movie, sorry, two scenes of the movie, is the most expensive set in Harry Potter to date at that point. I have a note about that. Yeah. Because I've seen that on the Harry Potter uh, Lovely studio stuff. tour. God, they have to keep it, James. It's worth a fortune. Yeah. It, it's incredible. It looks really cool. Until I saw it in action and I realised how pointless it was. Because on the studio tour, it's set up as stairs. Yeah. But in the film, it becomes stairs, but works like a lift. Yeah. Or elevator for international audiences. So what's the point <laughs> in the stairs? Because it lifts... It does. Up. There's so many things in the scene, and if you actually, again, I had to pause and have a look. Apparently, there's there's so many references to other things. There's pictures, there's vials, there's books, all these beautiful things handcrafted for the film that are literally not really seen. They're just in the background. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, we do get back into Dumbledore's office a couple of times. Okay. Over the next few films, so well, I don't if think it's not that much on it. Then yeah. Use it again. It's not wasted, but it is the first time we see it, and it is uh, that was a really a cool fact for it. Um, uh, what was I going to say? The last one was... Um, hang on a second. I might have to uh, have a look into this. I've lost my fact. Um, filmmakers assumed that the Chamber of Secrets uh, only appearance would be in this movie. However, the Chamber of Secrets does end up making an appearance in another film and the set had to be dismantled and completely reconstructed from scratch years later. Oh, I'd hate to be that <laughs> that, yeah. that that crew building yeah. that up again. It'd be like taking you know the the people who do the Iron Maiden sets for their live gigs. They have to build that every time. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that I'm going to keep facts coming for you. I don't want to. I don't want to like overwhelm you with facts. Did you said you had a few questions about this film? Is there anything you had that you wanted to go through that was really sticking out? Yeah, well, in terms of like niggling at you. Yeah, well, the main one I guess was the whole. Why does the heir of Slytherin not take a mudblood? That was like a the point I sort of turned oh, off a little so bit. Funny, I can't believe you said that because I've never even thought about that. It's um, brilliant. <laughs> I would quite like it if the 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 parcel mouth language if that was um, subtitled. Yeah, that'd be helpful. I I am assuming in the book. Do you know what they're saying? Or <sighs> do you know what I don't know? I mean, fans of the book and the films. Please comment. <laughs> Please let us know in the bottom comments uh, whether or not that happens. I think it's. I think in the book they say Harry says something in a hissing sound, mm. um, and um, it, he says like "open up" or "open sesame" and it opens it. You know when he opens him, it's something like yeah. that. It's not. It's not there's, very much elaborated upon the, it. There's nothing in the film to tell you what he said. He just obviously yeah. does the weird reverse speaking stuff, um, and uh, when Dumbledore midway through the film asks Harry if there's anything he wants to talk about. Yeah. Harry lies to the one wizard that yeah, he does. Is, 
willing to believe and in. he mirrors Voldemort he, he mirrors, mirrors Riddle because yeah. Riddle says the same thing to him in the flashback that's quite good coherence I it, like that bit that was really cool I liked it but it, yeah, his character up to that point you don't really understand why he's lying to Dumbledore no like Voldemort had something to hide yes he did Harry, he was killing people Harry, yeah. <laughs> Harry didn't and I also wrote there are so many Weasleys I've lost track because one of them's a prefect that isn't the twins well James I'm going to let you know something else as well yeah there's a couple of Weasleys you don't see. And there's, I think, one Weasley we never see. He's not ever in the films. What? There's um, enough Weasleys Do you remember in the last film, he says, Charlie's coming over from... Rom- I'm going to see Charlie in Romania or something, he says, about the dragon. Oh, yeah. He's a dragon keeper in Romania. Yeah. That's Ron's elder brother. He's not the oldest brother. He's, he's, he's one of the older brothers, but not the eldest. Okay. Um, we do meet his eldest brother, I think, in the last film or the second to last movie. He's in one of them. Right. Basically, any actor that's ginger that you can think of is will cameo in this film as a Weasley at some point, yeah. There's, there are, they're an extended family. <laughs> oh, there were so many Weasleys. Difficult to keep track. A bit more fat-shaming with the uh, Crab and Goyle. They've already laden up with food and they just see two floating cupcakes. Interesting fact about that as well. Do you know when they take the cupcakes off the, uh, off the air? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something stupid then. Um, they're suspended on wires okay. and they're hooked... And apparently the two actors, when they munch on them, ate the hooks and split their face open. They really hurt themselves. This, this film hasn't been very good to children. It's not, has it? This, this film has not been good to children. Um, I, I also made a, a, a quick note. The pagans celebrate Christmas again. They do, yeah. They always they, they do. They lo- love that Christmas. And that uh, Christmas wasn't used as a means to get Ron a new wand. Because mm-hmm. uh, he could have been gifted a wand. Yeah, Harry yeah I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, and that the book... Tom Riddle's book has neater handwriting than Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) To say that Voldemort, as we find out more about him later, is an orphan child who literally has no upbringing, no background, and comes to Hogwarts to become a wizard, just like Harry Potter. Yeah. He's remarkably sophisticated, isn't he? And he's very well spoken. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he got the proper schooling experience, whereas Harry seems to have his schooling experience. Like... We've never seen him do maths or English or anything. No, we didn't. That that experience seems to have been completely interrupted by trolls, by <laughs> people with two faces. He's, he's not having a good education. No, he's not. Uh, I've enjoyed this one. Yeah. I think the obligatory sequel... I mean, it is the obligatory sequel. It's the same director, Chris Columbus, this time round. Apparently, Chris Columbus went for a darker tone in this film. <laughs> I don't know if that's evident. Uh, I mean, there, there, there's a... a petrified cat i mean it is i guess yeah the story's darker um content is darker there's more peril yeah um it's rated pg same as the previous uh movie i it's the next one for me the next one is the darker one okay i also think the next one is beautifully shot um oh. and when you watch it whether we watch it together or you watch it we watch it separate i think you're going to enjoy the third one i think the fans out there anyone that's listening to this obviously please feel free to call me an idiot but i think the third one's the best one um i really liked it and i liked it when i first saw it i haven't watched it yet for the yeah. podcast but i will be watching it uh, that's the prisoner of azkaban right that's the place they sent hagrid the gamekeeper it is yeah so it's like a nice little segue into the so next that, that, episode that makes sense that's cool uh, yeah. i'm i'm looking forward to it because i have to admit only seen two, the two films so far. This one wasn't my favourite. Yeah, um, you're you're losing faith in the franchise, aren't you, James? I, I, yes, I am. I, <laughs> as I say, I felt such empathy with the broken Anglia. 
yeah. as it drove around Hagrid's house and went off scene. <laughs> and I was thinking, I wish I was that car. Yeah. That, that, that's me. I wonder if that Ford Anglia is still out there somewhere. Um, I think it might show up in another book, but I don't think it shows up in the films. Okay. Well, I know, in fact, I know, I know it doesn't show up in the films. You never see it again. But it, I'm, I'm 99% sure... At some point, this Ford Anglia is in the forest and it's living its own life, and you do see it again. That's that's brilliant because yeah, in this film, that car had more character <laughs> than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Oh, God, it's great. I love this one. Uh, yeah. So next episode we're going to be doing, guys, is going to be Prisoner of Azkaban, and it will be episode three of the podcast. We are going to try and commit to doing more of these and get them out as quickly as possible. I think more so. Me and James can get away from Harry Potter as soon as we possibly really. <laughs> really. <laughs> well, no, I'm. I'm. After everything I've said, I am enjoying this a lot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we, we've had feedback from colleagues, peers who've listened to the previous episode. And mm-hmm. they said it's quite interesting listening to it from my perspective. Yeah, and from a from a person that knows nothing about them, despite them being on every Christmas, despite them being <laughs> in pop culture, despite them being everywhere. I don't get good signal under my rock. I, I can't help <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I think it is interesting coming to a what is obviously a kid's story. Yeah. From the perspective of an adult that didn't see it as a child. Yes, I do. I, I, I genuinely, think I think it is interesting. For I, me, I, I'm going on a nostalgia ride. For yeah. you, it's very much a sense of a, a discovery. And I, I'm yeah. just so worried about raining on everyone's parade. <laughs> uh, just so you guys know we are obviously now on itunes you can leave us comments and please do subscribe we also have created our twitter page james did you know about this yes I, you, you sent me the link i like it we'll... we are on twitter uh our hashtag is uh it's at do the franchise so you can go on twitter and search do the franchise or send us a tweet at uh, at do the franchise and that'll get through to me and james we will be reading out comments and and um, we'll be reading out some tweets in our next episodes. We want to feature in the last bit of our podcast episodes your comments, your tweets, anything you guys have got to say. I really want to get the audience involved. I think that is, for me, a really fun part of doing this. Absolutely. And I'm using this episode right now to call out, does anyone know any more information about the Armadillo Kid? <laughs> if you do, tweet us... <laughs> Hashtag armadillo kid. What we're going to have to talk about next as well, and the next one is kids that show up in one film but are never seen again. <laughs> uh, the kid with the camera, who I believe is called Colin. Do we not see? We never kid? see Colin again. Never ever again. He's younger than Harry, right? Yes, he's in so, the year below Harry. With so Ginny. he should be there all the way through. He's not like he absolutely leaves. no. <laughs> maybe maybe he was one, he was one of the least successful hospital visits. Maybe I don't know. Uh Anything else, James? No, I think uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yes, me too. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please do like, comment and subscribe. And as I say, we will be giving James another run through when we get to Prison of Azkaban next week, which I am looking forward to. I hope you guys are too. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks. Didn't do the franchise. Done. Episode two done, James. Episode two down. We've got (laughs) six more to go. Six more Potter films to go, James. Excellent. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.